This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. Tibbs was a very traumatic, it was a traumatic tenure for me and for a lot of people. Um, Just the way that he operated, the way he treated people, um, the way he either communicated or didn't communicate with individuals and groups and, and different parts of the organization. Um, it was a very, very, it, it was a difficult three years for, well, whatever, two and a half, whatever it is, whatever it's been. And so when he was let go, I just felt like, you know, so many people were let out of prison. You know, like there was, it's, it's like literally was so oppressive. Um, everybody's kind of walking around on eggshells all the time. That's, uh, wow. Jim Pete, who I... Uh, Joined us, of course, on the show in the 3 o'clock hour yesterday. That was him uh, this afternoon on the Raised by Wolves podcast with Manny and Danny Cunningham yeah. and, and crew. Um, that is uh, very interesting, not surprising. And did you hear today, Phil Mackey, at practice for the Wolves, there was actually music playing? There was music what playing. Kind of, like smooth jazz? Or like uh, Drake, right? Is that correct? Drake? Drake, yeah. I Drake? think Wiggins, Wiggins picked yeah. out the, the playlist. And is it, it com- mostly Drake. Dumb question. Is yeah. it common? And Rami's, hang- I mean, Rami's hanging out behind the scenes here. Uh, do the Bucks play music? You're from, you were in Milwaukee. You're a Chicago guy. Is it common for? Actually, if I remember correctly, this was a story in Milwaukee, too, with the changeover from, from Jason Kidd to Mike Budenholzer and a much more relaxed environment. It it was a story too when they started yeah. playing music at Bucks practice when when Boonholzer took over. Okay, why wouldn't you play music at practice? Because in an yeah, NBA fo- arena, football teams do. It's constant noise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fo- not that big a deal now. It's constant noise. There's constant music playing, anyways. But so- this goes to. But th- all of this shows you how oppressive, as Jim Pete said, things were with Tibbs. Ryan got done today, and and there, there's a soundbite on the page there where he's asked about his rotations and playing guys, and my God, he said he might play 10 guys. There might be a rotation. Derek is back tomorrow. Do you think you might tinker with a 10-man instead of a 9-man rotation? Do you know yet? Yeah, that, that's, uh, I have an idea. I have an idea. Um, that's uh, that's definitely definitely one of the strong ideas I'd say um, I'm, look, I'm looking at, but you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm feeling it out too, and I like to do um, a lot of things off preparation, but a lot of things off feel too um, with everything. Yeah, a ten-man rotation. What a concept! But he actually did actually do that. He also says, "I'm thinking about like I'm not positive." You know, Tibbs would have been like, oh, "I'm going to keep that internal. We're yeah. not going to." And it's nine men. We got to be nine men. I mean, this kid's actually talking about doing things before he does them. Yeah, 
This is I'm going to play this other quote, this other clip from Jim Pete too, and we're getting all the Jim Pete we can we can eat these last couple of days. Jim Pete was great on this show yesterday and expanded Jim Pete on the Raised by Wolves podcast, which if you're not already listening and not already subscribed, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 15hardyspn.com, go find Raised by Wolves with Danny Cunningham and Manny. This was this is more Jim Pete and and just Manny, this is the rumors that Tom Thibodeau basically blocked out Jim Peterson. This is his response to that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if you don't want to give me access to practice, that's fine. I've been able to go to practice and not been able to go to practice. That's fine. But, like, to come in and, like, intentionally, like, alienate someone like myself, which I don't even think it makes any sense, is exactly what Tiz did. Like, he, like he, you know, he basically told the coaching staff, like, don't talk to me because he felt like they were giving me information. Because, you, know, you know, what I do during a broadcast, I talk about the game like, like a coach. I try to. I watch video. And I will point out the good things, and I will point out the bad things. And for whatever reason, like, Tibbs, like, didn't want me pointing out, uh, you know. And so I think, he, I don't know if he thought the coaches were giving me inside information or whatever, but he actually told them to stop talking to me. My God. <laughs> that yeah. was confirmed. But that was, but that was not... I don't think that had to do with the fact that Tom didn't like Jim Pete. I think that was just Tom, like with everybody. And when you consider that atmosphere and doing that to people who you work with, and okay, what's the upside? Like, what's the point? If, if there's a point, that's fine. Yeah. But what's the point? And to treat your players like that, the one thing that I will say, part of the genius of Belichick that people don't get is behind the scenes, he treats people differently. Like the Belichick that we see is not Belichick. But for the most part, you know, Childress, Tibbs, they treat people behind the scenes exactly like they treat us. So everybody is treated like Horace yeah. Bleep. That's the problem. Belichick is Belichick is very selective in how he goes about approaching people, which is fine and smart. What's not smart is to basically treat everybody the same, and that's crap. Yeah, there's, like a, crap. there's a human touch to Bill Belichick that doesn't come out publicly all the time, but behind the scenes it does. And I, I don't know if you guys are... I, I tend to have... People that, whether they're in my life or just people covering sports that I can use as a barometer for, okay, I know that, like, Flip Saunders is one of these guys, that if you didn't see eye-to-eye with Flip Saunders, it's probably on you and not Flip Saunders, (laughs) right? It probably says a lot about you. Yeah, because Flip Saunders was this stand-up guy, and there's a and I'm I'm singling out Flip as this positive example, but there's probably people I've got relatives and friends that one of my best friends is. If you don't get along with him, or if you don't see eye to eye with him, Something wrong history with plays out in a way that it's yeah, it's definitely on you. Like he's a stand up guy, he's awesome, he's always caring, he's there for friends. And Jim Peterson, I'm not going to pretend to know Jim Peterson that well personally, but Jim Peterson is in the category of as a professional and as a person. If you don't see eye to eye with him, and if you don't respect his work, and if you don't see him as just a stand up guy around Target Center, it's probably not on Jim Peterson. It's probably on you, well, and Jim Tom Pete, Thibodeau, and even Scott Layden to some extent. Absolutely, and Jim Pete works really hard to be good. The only reason why you you would take Jim Pete's access and and eliminate it or cut it off to a certain degree is if you thought that he was going to use that to tell a buddy about it, right? Tell the uh, tell the opposing team. Jim Pete's a Wolves fan, so like common sense. This always goes back to what Kevin Seifert told me on the Vikings beat about Childress starting in 2006, and he was exactly right. Worry about things that are going to affect if you win games. 
So when you're when you are sweating, when you're telling the PR guy that the analyst can't come in for practice because okay, the question that you have to back up if you're uh, Tibbs in that case and ask yourself is is this going to affect our ability to win games? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Brad Childress, part of his downfall was he wanted to sweat every detail. And that makes you an ineffective boss. Tom Thibodeau didn't strike me as a guy who understood how to prioritize things that are important and not. You know, anyone who is screaming and hollering up 25 points at officials and at players on the court in the late stages of the fourth quarter doesn't understand, okay, maybe this is the time for you to back off the throttle just a little bit. Maybe just let these guys go out and play. Let the officials be human beings. And like maybe don't ride them until the very last second of the game, a game that's decided. And in this case... Maybe of all the things you could focus on with your young players not connecting well with you and with Jimmy Butler pretty much destroying the entire chemistry of the team, this might not be the time to be nitpicking, by the way, a brilliant color commentator in Jim Mm -hmm. Peterson to be nitpicking his TV work and his access to the team. Just, you know, maybe some advice for your quick idea, maybe some advice for your next job, which isn't going to be head of anything in the NBA. It's going to be weird for him to go back to that assistant role where Defensive he has to coordinator. sit there as a, yeah, that's what he was with the Celtics. All right, but he, here's the question. He was, and he was successful in Boston, but has this league passed that by? Yes. So if Tibbs go, you know, let's say Tibbs goes, I don't take your pick, to Houston. And he's oh, like, God. oh, or, but goes to a different team now. And he's like, I am really good at defense and I am the defensive coordinator of the Miami Heat or something. Is the NBA at a place now where his style is going to be effective, or are guys going to say, like, Tibbs, this game passed you by 10 years ago? Yeah. Well, the NBA does still recycle some. The NBA used to be really bad about recycling coaches. You know, I mean. And Tibbs, Tibbs is still pretty well respected around the league, I think. I don't think he'll ever get a head coaching job again, but there's enough. I think there are enough people around the league that still respect his knowledge and his work ethic. You know, to add him on as like an assistant or a scout or a consultant or the something. The Van Gundys like that. love him. Yeah. Yeah. Although the Van Gundys are both on ESPN now, now yeah. so it's not going to matter. <laughs> Is he going to want, you know what he's going to wind up as a regular on the Levitard show? <laughs> hey, he became, is gonna it'd wind be hilarious. Up. It would be. It'd be great stuff. <laughs> Is there an example of someone, maybe even in a different sport, that was that unworkably unfriendly and grizzled? And bellowing mm-hmm. that made a transition successfully to media. Anyone that, well, Bob Knight actually, I don't know if I would say successfully. Bob successful. Knight did some TV. I wouldn't call it successful. <laughs> he was mostly terrible. Um, he, not successful again, but currently John Fox, the Bears coach. Like, what did John Fox, he told you nothing? Now, see, he wasn't as miserable as Thibodeau. He just squinted a lot. I think a lot. No, no he, he was not as bad as Tibbs, but he was not exactly friendly. And he was very football, football, football. And you said to yourself, okay, one job that this guy is never going to have is television. And next thing you know, ESPN hired him. Hmm. How about Mike Ditka? That's a great one. Yeah. yeah, but no, but Ditka, the, the Ditka thing, he was sort of beloved, too, because right. he was gruff. Tibbs, Tibbs is just a jackass. Ditka was beloved among the fans, but the media, by the by the end of the Ditka era, the media had, had enough of him for a lot of the, well, no, at the end of his run with the Bears, okay. for a lot of the same reasons as with Thibodeau, the media in Chicago had had enough of Mike Ditka because... He he would reveal nothing. He was he was not easy to work with. He was always gruff and 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 sort of surly with the media and and Stop short. It. Right, exactly. But the fans <laughs> so, did like him, right? The fans loved that okay. in him. Yeah. Uh, and then he he sort of made he had I mean not a huge media career, but he had a show down at uh, on a sports radio station down 
down in Chicago for a while. So, and not a show that he hosted. He was more the guest for an yeah. hour. But he was on ESPN's but, Monday Night Countdown for like that's 10 right. or 15 yeah. years. Probably. Falling, yeah. falling asleep or burping. <laughs> Burp was burping a thing too. Oh, yeah, I think he burped once. I think he, he fell asleep like twice. I mean, who among us? Right. Excuse me? Who among us? Oh, sorry. I just woke up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, by the way, uh, if you're wondering, who's that random guy? That's Rami Makhlouf. We, uh, we brought him in from the fan in Milwaukee, and he's hanging out with us as we embark on a lot of new things starting on Tuesday, January 15th. You can just call me that random guy. It's probably easier for people to pronounce and read than Rami Makhlouf. Let's change all your social media handles. <laughs> that random, that random, random guy. guy. Yeah. TRG. Okay. Uh, but you're going to hear a lot more from him, and we're going to have, if you missed our announcement yesterday, we're going to have, starting Tuesday, January 15th, we're going to have expanded live and local content on 1500, noon until 7, live and local, every single weekday. And an expanded on-demand collection of content, social media, and uh, even a new name starting on Tuesday. A new name starting on Tuesday. That's the first time I think we've thrown that out on the show. But new we name? will have. I don't know maybe we said that yesterday, but we're going to have a new name. I don't think we're you just going to be uh, fifteen hundred J U D D starting on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, take that. Yeah. Let's take one call quick here, and then we have uh, a pecking order and Brian Windhorse to get you later this hour. Jim in Golden Valley, you're on the show. Yeah, just to take off on the point you guys just talked about, um, guys that kind of evolved or changed. How about Dick Vermeil? He was a real taskmaster for the Eagles on his first time around, and then when he came back to the Rams, he was uh, he was really beloved by his players, and it really kind of changed his personality. So uh, I put, I might throw that in the hopper for you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a really good one. And Dick Vermeil, he did do a bunch of TV, but yep. that dude was that guy was out of coaching for ten or fifteen years because he was early eighties with he the was, Eagles. He was the first. Ever coach, I believe, to invoke burnout. He was the first guy. He got up at, at his uh, his goodbye press conference in Philly, started crying, and said he had burned out. He's and, a crier. And, and he was the first guy to also say, I slept in my office. I burned out. I was sleeping in the office. But that's a good one. Because, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a jackass and then sort of became a decent guy. We will rally around Kurt Warner. And we will play good football. <laughs> That's because Trent Green broke his leg or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Brian Windhorse will join with some inside information, as he always brings to the show, about the Timberwolves and maybe some Tom Thibodeau here in about 15 or 20 minutes. Judd has an impromptu pecking order when we... Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, we still have that crash in Edina on 62 eastbound between Highway 100 and 121. It's causing about a nine-minute delay. And also, uh, 35E northbound in St. Paul got a crash between Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue, causing a five-minute delay there. Wiggins, three to shoot, gets it away. Andrew drills it right as the buzzer goes off. Andrew loves playing here in Oklahoma City. Wiggins kicks it out. Come on, Okogi. Yes! Are you kidding me? Josh Okogi finally able to hit Painter from downtown. I still can't believe he scored 40 points, though. Wiggy, that is. 40 not that, points. It's not that shocking that he got motivated for. He deserves credit. I'm not even going to give him a backhand in column. He deserves credit. 40, 10, and 4. Yeah. Uh, How but, many 40, 10, and 4 point uh, or, uh, games did you think you'd see from Wiggy this season? Well, none. He's never had that. Exactly. <laughs> so My none. point. Uh, but but uh, he's frustrating. 
he is this enigma. And actually, I was talking to Corzo. Corzo was in for a while today. We were talking about some stuff. And oh, I'm oh, I'm shocked. It turned you, in, yeah. I'm shocked you two bonded over Andrew Wiggins and aptitude. Well, it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't even bonding. It was like what he said was what I agree with. Andrew Wiggins isn't as good as or isn't as skillful as people think he is. That that's another frustrating thing about him. Like he can't really dribble that well. He's not a great shooter. He's not an instinctual player. And but he has enough quality. He's 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 Andre Iguodala if you were to apply himself. And at some point, maybe that's what he can be. But that's all. The, those are all the things that make him frustrating. Yep. Which leads to Judd Zolgad. I don't have any production for you here uh, because we got to put we got to put together a new pecking order at some point. Yeah. It's uh, we we need to use like Manny's voice or something to put together a pecking order. I but, can do it. But pecking order, impromptu, set this up, Judd Zilgat. All right, so off the outstanding performance from Wiggy a couple nights ago, where we know the talent is there to do this occasionally at least, and certainly to be good consistently, I came up with the 10 most that I could think of, frustrating and maddening Minnesota athletes. So so guys who you see and you think to yourself, this guy could apply himself. This is current? It just doesn't happen. No, it's not. I I went in the... Way back machine to a certain degree on some guys. Um, and Wiggy, just to give you a little tease, is not number one on my list. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's not in the top ten. Oh, no, no. I was going to leave the room. No, he's in the top ten. Okay. Number ten. This is golden goal for basketball. I'm going to start with a guy who, you know, for a college basketball player to get fans to boo him and shout things at, at him actually takes a lot, especially in this town. But yet, when I'd go to go for games, I heard people basically screaming at this guy because he drove them crazy. Ralph Sampson the third. Yes, thank remember you. Ralph Sampson the third. Oh, that, yeah. that takes a lot. Barely, because he was a wallflower. Oh my gosh! But he had the size. He was Ralph Sampson's he had kid. The, he had the bloodlines. Yeah, he was Ralph Sampson's kid. He never met an eighteen foot jumper that he didn't fall in love with, dude. It's like, <laughs> dude, you're seven feet tall. What the? What are you doing? I almost just said a bad word. <laughs> Seven footer. I got to the first three, letter of it. Seven got, footer. I got you about three rebounds a game. You yeah. got basically a week to the relaunch as the content director. Almost got yourself fired. Anybody Just got resign. content director experience out there? Just resign. That guy. Remember one time Ralph Sampson being criticized for his lack of fire and passion, and it's college kids, so it may be a little bit unfair. And his comeback. I think he tweeted this. His comeback was. Tim Duncan doesn't show a lot of emotion. <laughs> yeah, Tim Duncan goes for 25 and 12 every night and blocks five wow. shots. Anyways, okay, the list is off to a good start. Number nine on my list, and now some of this is on player, some of this is on team, and it's just frustration. But when you have speed like this guy did, and you're the number seven overall pick in the National mm. Football League draft, and your final game is a Viking in Denver, the ball, the most perfect Tavares Jackson, and that's saying something, throw of all time, hits you in the face masks and, and bounces off you and falls onto the field. Troy Williamson. He fell onto the field, too. Do you guys he? remember the Nike train? He he went to the Nike Vision Camp. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he came back, and he's catching balls during the summer from the jug machine. Yeah, Nike. And it's like, Troy will talk to you when he's done catching those balls because he's going to tell you how everything's different. Yeah. I just remember all the excuses they would have for why he was dropping the ball. Like, they would say, like, he had one too many bar on his face mask or something like that. Then he'd take away one of the <laughs> bars on his face. I think I, I remember hearing that. something. Oh, yeah. oh we've got to take like away one of the bars. Bar by it's, a couple centimeters. Yeah, you know, it's ruining his vision. It's like, okay. The ball that goes God. off his mask in Denver, which you can find on YouTube, is one of the greatest all time. <laughs> which one? Underrated. That underrated. The second one. I think. Later in that game, 
That was bad. But later in that game, they trotted him back out, and there was a third and eight or a third and ten or something. And he comes over the middle, broken coverage, wide open on a slant, and the ball hits him between the numbers, yeah. and he just walked Devar off the field. Jackson hit him yeah. right up between the eight and the two. And just shockingly, he didn't. It. He didn't have a comment after that game. Number of course, eight. Judd gets in there. Why are you terrible? No, I just say it's your last game, dude. Your last game was a, a Viking. Pro- I am a professional beat writer. They can finally. You must tell me why you're terrible. They can finally cut your butt. That Nike Vision training didn't help. Number eight on my list, I'm going to go current, and I'm putting this guy down the list a little bit because he just can't hit, and so it's it's extremely frustrating to watch. But I don't know if it's completely on him or he just can't hit Byron Buxton. So Byron Buxton. Would be higher if I sensed if I sensed he didn't apply himself. Okay, but I think he's applying himself. I think he just really can't hit for the most part. Number, yeah, and, he's number eight. And there's still yeah, there's still time. He's yeah, he's he not come thirty around. years old. He's he's only twenty four. I mean, he might be twenty five now, but it's time to go. But, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, number seven on my list. He plays for the Wild, and he's actually played pretty well of late. But my God, for the trade that was made, sending Brent Burns to uh, San Jose, this guy is not delivered. Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle looks like a guy who should be able to play wing and score a bunch of goals, and now he's at center. And time and time again, we're like, he missed the net again. Charlie Coyle. One of those dudes who who looks the part. Yeah. This was sort of, uh, not to rip on more college athletes, but when you watched Bakari Kanate step on a basketball court, you're like, whoa, NBA body. (laughs) This guy's seven feet tall and has never seen a basketball before, apparently. And like with Buxton, it's not for lack of trying. It's just not there at times. Sure. Number six, this was this was lack of trying because this guy was a really good player, but he had Hall of Fame abilities and never used it. And he was one of the first guys I ever covered and realized there's a lot of guys who play this sport who hate football. Bryant McKinney. Bryant McKinney was a Hall of Fame left tackle who got by on talent alone. You could tell, loved to party, loved the nightlife, loved the money. Hated football. When you are cut from your team finally because your cholesterol is so high, they're afraid you're going to drop dead on the field of a heart attack, something's gone really wrong. He, he loved boats, too. Yeah, he did. He did. And the most impressive <laughs> statistic of Bryant McKinney's football career uh, didn't happen on a football field. It was the $500,000 in nightclub tab that he ran up in Miami at one point. Yes. You guys remember that? I do indeed. Yeah. Uh, sorry. The, That's the, 10. The, uh, the music ran out. No problem. It's 10 through okay. 6. Number five on my list, this guy had the talent. And in fact, he was just back in town recently for the, as the Timberwolves continue to, and I put this in quotes, celebrate their 30th season by bringing back guys. Not Christian Leitner, though. J.R. Ryder. J.R. Ryder. If J.R. Ryder had given a damn, he would have been really, really good. He could have been fantastic. And on nights he did care, he was fantastic. And most of the time he didn't care and he threatened people. And uh, J.R. is number five on my list. I don't understand. Are they bringing back J.R. Ryder and wasn't Cherokee Parks one of them too? Yes, I was. And there Christian Lehner, are they are they doing yes. it tongue in cheek no. to make fun of themselves? <laughs> I'm it's a serious question. Because why would no. you bring those dudes back to celebrate? It's like an ironic T-shirt, like it, a grown it, it, man it walking around with a Punky Brewster T-shirt. <laughs> That's the equivalent what? of bringing those guys back. Yeah, but here, but here's the thing too, guys. They're so embarrassed by the stunt that they're not announcing who's. Coming in until the that night, the game, the the Leitner game, which I think was the Magic game, a couple or last weekend on a Friday night, the Leitner game, 
I see Christian Leitner, I'm like, hey, that's Christian Leitner. And they're like, welcome back, Christian Leitner. But they're not telling you. It's like ordinarily you'd be like, Christian Leitner's coming back. We'll put him on this station and that station, and we'll get the TV stations. I don't think they're telling a soul. So to Phil's point, I think they are truly embarrassed. I would I would say, though, that because Tom Gugliotta was around here like during the state fair time, and he actually came up on our porch at the state fair and talked to us and everything. So, And he was part of more of a... a better, more higher, more successful time in the franchise's <laughs> yeah. history, even well, though it was very brief. Well, the but. two dudes that they would bring back, the two best players in franchise history are Kevin Love and Kevin Garnett, and both right. had falling outs with the organization. And like, <laughs> yeah. not, no, KG did come back, and he hung out in the crowd one night. So Prince night. Um, let's oh. do this. So we're going down Judd's pecking order of most frustrating athletes in Minnesota sports. We've gone through six. The top four is left. Yes. Let's come back to it later this hour because Brian Windhorst awaits on the other side of this break. Perfect. We got to uh, we got to catch up with our NBA insider friend Brian Windhorst from ESPN. Mackie and Judd TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. You know, if you don't want to give me access to practice, that's fine. I've been able to go to practice now, been able to go to practice, that's fine. But, like, to come in and, like, intentionally, like, alienate someone like myself, which I don't even think it makes any sense, is exactly what Tiz did. Like, he, like, he, you know, he basically told the coaching staff, like, don't talk to me because... He felt like they were giving me information. Because, you, know, you know, what I do during the broadcast, I talk about the game like like a coach. I try to. I watch video. And I will point out the good things, and I will point out the bad things. And for whatever reason, like, Tips, like, didn't want me pointing out, like, uh, you know. And so I think, he, I don't know if he thought the coaches were giving me inside information or whatever, but he actually told them to stop talking to me. That's uh, some really telling. And I'm, I'm happy that Jim Pete, Jim Peterson, Wolves TV analyst, has been so open. He was on our show yesterday and then on the Raised by Wolves podcast with Manny and Danny Cunningham uh, earlier today. Brian Windhorst, who I, I feel like, like Brian Windhorst from ESPN, you've just become part of our ambulance chasing crew here among Timberwolves fans. We're, all right, something's about to crumble. Let's get Brian on and see if he's got some dirt behind the scenes on whatever's about to happen. Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau. So in the in the wake of of Tom Thibodeau being fired, um, what have you been able to gather on the state of the Timberwolves franchise and, and what's next? You know, first off, I love Jim and Dave on the Wolves broadcast. Um, <laughs> there's always undertones. Uh, like yes. during the, the, the Butler saga, they were, <laughs> they so were shiving him on a semi-nightly basis, uh, <laughs> even if it was tongue-in-cheek or sort of, you know, you the fans or the viewers were in on the, uh, in on the joke. Um or the or the inside joke, um, you know. I actually think this is pretty simple. Uh, Tom, you know, whatever happens with the business side, I, I mean, I I'm not saying I'm not dismissing that. Maybe that's a reality. But Tom Thibodeau was fired because he bet really big on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy did not reciprocate, and uh, you know, following the trade, they were under 500. Um, that's why he got fired. He got fired because he was in his third year and the team really hadn't improved that much. It was, I don't think it really needs that much more than that. And I think that 
uh, Glenn Taylor wanted to try to salvage this season. He didn't want this season to go away. He wanted to, 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 to hopefully get a bounce, and he's hoping that Ryan Saunders can do that. And, you know, the first game in Oklahoma City was what they dreamed of. Will that last? I don't know. I can't see the future. But um, I, I don't think it's really all that complicated. Um, you know, I think you know, when they hired Tom Thibodeau, um, he was coming off a situation where he w- was, uh, you know, having a, a major fights with the with the front office in Chicago. Didn't trust the front office in Chicago, and he had leverage. The Lakers weren't interested in hiring him. Um, there was a couple other teams that might have been interested in hiring him, and because the you know the, the Wolves were a team that hadn't made the playoffs in twelve years and uh, has trouble landing any free agents out of free agent coaches, they gave him a whole ton of power that he hadn't really earned. And it was a it was a gamble, and uh, he used that power to bring in Jimmy Butler, and it could have worked out, you know. In another, if things had gone one way or another, it could have worked out, but it didn't. And Glenn Taylor pulled the plug. I really think it's as simple as that. If uh, if Scott does not stick stick here as GM, who do you think are some of the top or potential candidates uh, to come in, in here and run the basketball operation since Glenn Bryan made it pretty clear that he is not going to go down the same person, president of basketball ops, slash head coach again after Tibbs? Well, I think John C. Billups is a fascinating name. And, um, you know, I'm just going to be honest. John C. is a colleague of mine at ESPN. John C. and I have sat together on many occasions and talked about um, – you know, how to run an organization, uh, what he wants in his future. Um, and Chauncey is a guy who has been preparing to be a general manager for the last uh, two or three years. He does a lot of study. Uh, he's very uh, up on what's going on in the league. Um, he goes to teams' practices. He follows what's going on. He's very uh, intelligent, very studied. Now, he would be raw. He, you're talking about a guy who has no experience um, in a front office. Who you'd be bringing in, so you'd have to you'd have to get uh, him some some help with uh, you know with a um, with a uh, you know an experienced guy who could who could you know sort of guide him a little bit. But uh, I think that's a hell of a name, and I and I'll just be honest, I'm biased. I know him, and I appreciate him. And I think he'd be good at the job, and he's already been offered a job once. He got offered the president's job in cleveland and and i think the fact that he turned it down just shows uh you know how he operates uh, you know sometimes you can be really impressed with somebody when they say no um I, you know, I, i've heard that name attached to the wolves even before tibbs got fired now i can tell you who i w- would look at uh, there's two guys that i would look at if they're av- you know if they're available i haven't heard the wolves attached to them but there's two guys i would look at one is david griffin who uh, is a really uh, accomplished guy who helped the Cavs win the title in 2016. And the other is uh, Danny Ferry, who, um, you know, was taken out of Atlanta because of a minor scandal. Um, as soon as he left Atlanta, the Hawks immediately went into the, um, the uh, you know, the, the, the ditch and they had to clean house. Uh, the guy's been a general manager for, I think, eight seasons or so in his career in Cleveland and Atlanta, and he's got... 360 win teams in those eight seasons yeah. that he guided. So I mean, those are, those would be guys that I'd be looking at for experienced guys. But um, you're not going to hear me complain at all if, if they look at Chauncey. Yeah, we when you said Chauncey Billups, literally everyone in the room started nodding in agreement. Yes, that would be. We think from the outside looking in that that would be uh, a really interesting, and it kind of checks the box of 
Glenn Taylor likes to go provincial. You know, he brought back Flip. He likes to make the provincial hire Kevin McHale back in the day. So I think his preference on the coaching side would be that Ryan Saunders, even though he's the youngest head coach in the last 50 years in the NBA, that he thrives here. But let's say it's just not time for Ryan Saunders to to take that over full time. Um, we know Fred Hoiberg's name has been bandied about, and that would be another sort of provincial hire. But who are some other coaching options out there that you think might uh, might make some sense, Brian? Well, I think typically what you see teams do, for better or worse, is when a coach uh, fails, they go the other direction. Um, and uh, in this, you know, in this case, it was a non-former player who was—I don't know how to say it—you know, a hard ass. Um, maybe going back to a former player who would be better, uh, maybe relationship building with the players would make sense if it's not Ryan. Which, which, by the way is another reason why I think Chauncey makes some sense. Um, if you go, you know, that's sort of totally the, totally the opposite direction from Tibbs, a former player uh, in Chauncey Billups' uh, finals MVP, very well respected, um, who would be, who would excel at player relationships. And if Chauncey got hired as the, as the uh, GM, uh, I'm telling you a very strong candidate for head coach would be Tyron Lue who is one of Chauncey's best friends. They uh, have had, they had the same agent for most of their, if they're not all their NBA careers. And Chauncey was Ty Lue's consigliere during his time as uh, head coach of the Cavs. So, um, I mean, m- you know, and I would, and if I was Glenn and I, <laughs> and I wanted to make a change. We wish and, you were Glenn. <laughs> do, you, um, do, do you want to be Glenn? You can be Glenn. We'll, we'll hire you I'll, right I'll now. I'll take his bank account, but if uh, you know, if I made a decision that I wanted to change my front office, which let's just be honest, is likely. I mean, I know Scott Layden a little bit. Um, I respect him, but I just can't imagine how strange of a moment that was <laughs> when he had to walk in and fire the guy who was his boss and hired him. Um, it's such a strange uh, it had to be such a strange moment. So, you know, my guess is that there would be a change there, but I don't. And I want to be clear that I haven't been told that or anything, but. If that happens and there is a change, and maybe Scott could stay and they could bring in someone over him. Scott, again, is well-respected within the league. But um, if they made a leadership change, you would want to do that change first and then make the decision on the coach. And frankly, even if Ryan Saunders does a really good job, I wouldn't want my general manager to be forced to take the coach. I would want my general manager to hire the coach. And if and if Ryan interviewed for the job and got it that way, that's fine. But I've been around long enough to know that when you force marriages, um, it, things don't work. So uh, I would encourage the, the Wolves to try to do it by the book. And if that's what he says by traditional, then that's what they should do. So in your opinion, Ty Lu, good coach? Because, I mean, the, the th- thing about it is from the outside watching that team, you know, everybody said it's LeBron James team, blah, blah, blah. But but if you delve into to him as a coach, what's your confidence in his ability to be a successful coach in an ordinary environment, Brian? Well, I think uh, the most important question you'd have to ask him is about uh, his defense because um, <clears throat> the strange thing was he was a defensive-based coach when he was with the Clippers uh, with under Doc Rivers uh, before uh, he came to Cleveland, and also he was a defensive coordinator with the Cavs under David Blatt. And the Cavs were actually a pretty good defensive team. Um, they were like 10th in the league in defense uh, when he got hired. And one of the reasons he got hired was he did so good in defense. And then as soon as he took over as head coach, he really 
focused on on the Cavs playing a much higher uh, tempo of offense, and the defense went to hell. And the Cavs were, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if they weren't the worst defensive team ever to make the finals last year, they were one of the worst defensive teams. Uh, and now the team that he, you know, it's not really on him anymore, but the team that they have there now is right now historically bad. They have a chance to go down as uh, the worst defensive team in NBA history, uh, the way the Cavs are playing right now. So he, I would have to hear from him about his defensive principles and what happened in Cleveland. But from a from a from a, a standpoint of knowing players and getting the most out of players and player development, I mean, I, one of the things about Ty Lue is everybody respects him and everybody loves him. You go man to man across this league. I mean, one of the reasons why the Cavs hired him was because they noticed that every single time they would go on the road or there would be a game and he'd be out there pregame, players from the other team would come over and like come speak to him because he has. Such a um, such a, uh, a dramatic uh, effect on players. Now he'd have to get away with. Um, Chauncey, Chauncey Billups told the story on ESPN last week that he, um, he 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 and Chauncey went to Kevin Garnett and talked him into asking for a trade from Minnesota. They they'd have to Chauncey and Ty would have to explain that one a little bit. Um, but the reason they did that was because they felt it was the right thing for KG at the time, and KG has said that he. Um, respects them to this day for that and uh um you know i have a lot of respect for ty lu i i you asked me how good of a coach he is i i don't know i know this he's got a ring and he did a hell of a job with that team and putting that on your resume is pretty damn impressive yeah hey bro this is great stuff brian windhorst it's always always awesome having you on even though the circumstances for the timberwolves are usually negative for fans but one one last thing for you here whether it's the GM role, president of basketball ops, or coaching role, when you look at this roster and from what people around the league that you talk to say about this roster, how appealing is this organization outside of the annual dysfunction? I mean, just from a basketball standpoint, how appealing do you think these positions are? Well, the thing that you think of when you see a Timberwolves is underachieving. The, the, the collection of players as a group is underachieving. Uh, with the exception of Derrick Rose. He's been one of the biggest overachievers in the NBA this year. Um, some of the individual players themselves are underachieving. Um, it's just disappointing. You're, they're not maximizing what this group has. And that's got to be really frustrating, especially for a guy like Glenn Taylor, who has sat around for a long time and suffered through many things to try to get a team that's got this much talent on it. And now he's committed to paying them vast sums of money and he wants to see you know the investment uh you know pay off and so that's the issue uh i think it was an incredibly desirable job uh three years ago when tibbs took it uh if tibbs hadn't have gotten it there, there would have been other guys crawling over themselves to try to get the job i think a couple years more looking at andrew wiggins um and some up and down uh, defensive efforts from Carl Towns have hurt their reputation a little bit in the league. So <clears throat> I don't know exactly if they could get their pick of the leader, leader as a coach, but let's put it this way. You're, you're inheriting a team that's underachieving. And that's always somewhat of a desirable t- situation to be in because if you can get them to achieve, you can look really good. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, take care. Brian Windhorst from ESPN and ESPN.com.
such a fountain of information. It's just great. Oof. Well, but you know what? You know what? Chauncey. Chauncey would be key for a couple of uh, factors here. Let's come back and and talk about those and recap. He he listed Chauncey and two other names mm-hmm. for GM and a coaching name. If you're just joining us. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, it's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35E northbound. We still have that crash in St. Paul between Pennsylvania Avenue and and Maryland Avenue causing an eight-minute delay. And also 62 westbound, we still have that crash uh, between Highway 100 and 121 in Richfield causing a six-minute delay there as well. Well, I think Chauncey Billups is a fascinating name. And, um, you know, I'm just going to be honest. Chauncey is a colleague of mine at ESPN. Chauncey and I have sat together on many occasions and talked about... Um, you know, how to run an organization, uh, what he wants in his future. Um, and Chauncey is a guy who has been preparing to be a general manager for the last uh, two or three years. I'm sold. Where do I sign? Uh, right here. Here you go. I'll, <laughs> I'll start a petition <laughs> right now, and we'll send it to Glenn, and I'm sure it'll, it'll be done quickly. I'll tell you what. I will say that I've been on the Chauncey Billups bandwagon, and I'm not saying I'm the guy who can recognize who would be perfect for a job, but I've been on the Chauncey bandwagon for like ever since back when Phil or um, when Flip took over yeah. as head coach when Adelman retired in fourteen fifteen, and there were rumblings and rumors that maybe Flip would bring Chauncey on as like a coach in waiting type of thing, and and uh, I've I've been on the Chauncey train ever since. Doogie started it, right? He's he's brought Chauncey's name up for a good two or three years. Guessing he probably got that from. Flip Saunders, Doogie's doing a scoop down the hallway right now. Is he really? (laughs) Doogie's been (laughs) scooping it up. And the the one thing that that would would do, and this does not, this affects the impression of the franchise. It wouldn't help them on the court, but it gets Garnett probably back in. Yes, which I which I'm sorry, I think is a big deal. I think it is huge. I know, I know that the Wolves have issues. But I find it to be incredibly embarrassing that one of the greatest athletes in the history of pro sports in this town Mm -hmm. hates the team. Yeah. I wonder if there's a scenario in which, and this might be me just being too provincial and also overreacting to Ryan Saunders' first game. I think think there's something there with Ryan Saunders that goes beyond just the Minnesota connection and the, the Flip Saunders, you know, family lineage. Those things are definitely huge reasons for why he's in the position that he's in. If his name was Bill Johnson, he's he's not taking over the Timberwolves right now. Um, but if you let's say the scenario that Brian Windhorst suggested plays out, that you bring in Chauncey Billups and then one of his great friends and confidants, Ty Lue, comes in and becomes the coach. If those guys would retain Ryan Saunders to be one of the lead assistants or something like that. I mean that could, and could. and I th- you know there's no denying the connection that Ryan has with the guys on the roster and how much they clearly respect him and to whatever degree buy into his teaching and his tutelage. So it might be that you wind up with the best of all worlds here at least on paper. You get to keep the provincial thing intact, the Minnesota connections with Billups and and Ryan Saunders, but you also get smart and driven people who can help turn this organization around. Um, the only thing about Ty Lue 
people are going to wonder is, okay, yeah, you won a championship. You took over and you you took over a team that when the guy, David Black, got fired, they were the number one team in the Eastern Conference. So it wasn't like he turned around the Cavs. He took over the Cavs and then LeBron James was on the team. And yeah. so that would be the one thing is, all right, if you don't have LeBron James on the team, how good of a coach are you? I don't. I don't have an answer. It's not fair for me to speculate one way or the other. I don't know. And the frustrating thing about this entire discussion is a lot of this makes perfect sense, and then you come to the one key thing. Glenn Taylor's in charge, and you just have no clue. This all this is a puzzle, and it makes sense. Okay, Chauncey played here. Really, really smart guy. Yes, he might not be perfect at first, but he'd probably be successful. Okay, then he brings in a good coach, Keeps Ryan. I don't care. But it all sort of gels together, and and you say, this could work, and then you come to the realization that we're talking about something that we've been talking about the entire time that we've done the show, Phil Mackey, and that's you come back to Glenn Taylor and say, but it's Glenn. But don't you guys think, okay, like you just said, Chauncey Billups, it's, it's the rare occasion where the things that Glenn Taylor looks for, which is familiarity and a name that I've heard of before and a player that played for the Timberwolves or was a gopher or whatever the local connections are, that those all align. And independent of those things, he's also just Chauncey is just a hot commodity across the league. The Cavs wanted him. He turned mm-hmm. it down, right? So it's possible that... All of these things could just be leading toward Glenn Taylor luckboxing his way into the right height. I was just going to say, you're essentially saying he's going to do the right thing for all the On wrong accident. reasons. Yeah. He's going to stumble into it. <laughs> but that's it. what you have to hope right. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How yeah. dysfunctional is that? <laughs> right. Yes. You're like, it's all going to go right because it went wrong because it's going to go right now. Yes. What? Huh? But if he, if, if it's not Chauncey Billups, I don't know where Glenn Taylor's list other than Fred Hoiberg. But Fred Hoiberg's made it clear he wants to coach, right? Right. So, Adam Silver. Hey, Adam, who you got? That's, yeah, what, ha- that's what happened last time with David Kahn. Yeah, Larry Kahn. David Kahn. David Kahn's brother. I promise <laughs> he'll be good. Lair. Good old Larry Kahn. <laughs> Seriously. That's what, but it, it's so. It's so frustrating that these conversations have to stop at the point of hoping that the guy gets it finally, but there's but there's very little in his past. There's a few things, but there's very little out there in his past to be confident. Yeah. I mean, all these things. I, I'm, I'm just I'm getting romantic thinking about the Wendy, best case scenario. When he comes on and puts together a scenario that makes perfect sense, uh, you think, get excited. Think about. I mean, if if you could go down a Timberwolves path. Okay. Of Rotate Chauncey Billups. Oh, I got fired. Hold on. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Tibbs. <laughs> Sorry. G, G. Go get him, G. Go get him. Eyes, eyes, eyes. I've been fired. Fire. I, I can't. I'm gone. Forget I, about I it. I can't. I can't stop laughing at the photo that goes around of Tibbs looking like he's howling. He's staring up and he, he looks like the Wolves logo. <laughs> and then after every, every, every after every game, you just hear him say stuff like, We have to have a toughness. We showed a lot of toughness down the stretch. I thought our team did show Gonna toughness, miss him. the mental toughness. Yeah. But anyways, back to my dream scenario, okay? So imagine a scenario, if you will, where Chauncey Billups is the guy and he's as competent and as you know forward thinking as everyone around the league thinks that he's going to be when he eventually takes a job in a front office okay and then imagine that he nails the coaching hire and whether it's Ty Lue or whoever maybe he empowers Ryan Saunders that they find a guy who can unlock Andrew Wiggins on a regular basis and get the most out of Carl Anthony Towns 
And then the Chauncey Billups connection leads to Kevin Garnett being a part of the front office in the organization. And he comes back and they'd be crazy. I dream of a day where these things can all come together for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't <laughs> think it's that unattainable. I don't. Really? But it is Glenn Taylor. So <laughs> Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Ice! Ice! Toughness. Grit. <laughs> Michael Beasley smoked too much dope. It's that simple, guys. All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> I will say that I I really do think that it is it would be really really important to get Kevin Garnett back involved. Yes. With this organization. I mean, I'm not talking about I don't care about if it's ownership or being in the front office or being a coach or anything. Like I just think he needs to be in the building because those players, especially guys like Carl Anthony Towns, like KG and respect him and looked up to him when he played Played here during Cat's rookie year. I think a relationship that the close relationship that KG has with guys like Chauncey Billups, I'm sure Ryan Saunders, he has a relationship with Ryan Saunders just by Ryan being Flip's kid. But it's, it's I mean, just perception, too, though. Yeah. Like the Wolves are perceived as a joke because of things like this with KG. And it's, it is embarrassing if. You're this team. I mean, you are now parading people back for the 30-year thing, right? And like mm-hmm. Phil said, it seems like it's a bad joke. And the most popular player, the best player with not even close in your history, came back for one game because he likes cat sat courtside, and yet you couldn't get him to go talk to Glenn. Right. That's embarrassing. And the fact that his that number 21 is not in the Raptors yes. at Target Center is like the Amen. biggest shame in this yeah. town. Telling it really you, is. Hey, telling you guys. <laughs> Now I think you're just smoking weed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to your list. The the top four Judd's most frustrating athletes in Minnesota sports and Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. You think you like appetizers? Tom Thibodeau doesn't just like appetizers. He loves them. We're looking to add wings. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Doakley. On 1500 ESPN.